You're probably listening to this right now because you want to make the transition from hustler to operator to architect. Well, our guest today is someone who's done that in several different businesses at massive scale. In part one here, you're going to hear about his HOA journey. And then in part two, we go tactical and in depth into how he finds his deals and then what he does with those deals. I hope you enjoy both. Now, let's go. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things. Control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. What's up, guys? As I mentioned at the top of this episode, this is a two-part episode. If you want to skip straight to how James finds 300 deals or more per year, you can go to part two. He also talks about the multifamily stuff. He does the syndication stuff, development, everything he does as part of his real estate company. But before we get there, I think you'll really enjoy hearing his story in this episode. I was just down in Belize with James. We own a call center together, so we were down there meeting some of our on-site managers, exploring the country, having a lot of fun. And we actually recorded this show live down there great setting that you can find over on my YouTube channel. So head over there if you want to see the visual part of this super cool video. But anyways, we pick up on our conversation at the beginning here, right when James enters his hustler stage. How I got started was I started like everybody with not a whole lot. I was a senior in college and I started door knocking and doing off-market real estate. And so it started with the concept of, I mean, the only reason I even got in the business was just to learn sales. And I figured the best way to do that was to go bang on doors all day long because that is a very miserable job half the time. You know, people are yelling at you, they're screaming at you. And it all started with the concept of real estate and training myself and then wanting to grow wealth after I had been doing it for a while. And it started with the wholesaling because we have done a lot of different platforms over the last eight, we've been doing this now 18 years. And we do fix and flip, we develop and we keep a lot of units in Seattle, but it came with that core principle of finding a good deal first. So that was the priority. Learn how to find a good deal, underwrite the good deal, and then look at that purchasing or dispoing it off. Take us back to, you know, you're at Red Robin, you hear about real estate. What's your first deal? What was the first deal that really changed your, like switched your mindset from, oh, I can really do this thing and this is how I can make all of my income and sent you down that rabbit hole of, you know, real estate becoming your thing. What was that first deal that really shook you and your kind of ideology around money? But the funny thing is, I actually got sued on my first deal. So, <laughs> it was because I just didn't know what I was doing. Really what I saw, like being in the culture of a wholesale business in an investment company, that's where I actually got hooked. It wasn't the experience because for that first 12 months, I really didn't make any money. There was no real training out there. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't Instagram. There wasn't all these things they can train you now. It was yeah. like, I got to Google this, read up on this. No softwares. There's no prop dream. Oh, we had Google streets and trips. Yeah. And that was like the only piece of software we used route our leads. And I had to learn that too. Cause I remember when I first started knocking doors, they gave me a stack of leads and I'm like, wow, I just drove two hours in between houses. I didn't even really realize to optimize my driving schedule. It was like, they, I just did it in the order they gave them to me. Turned out like papers. Yeah. You like lead sheets on paper. Oh, all of our stuff was handwriting down, like left hanger, talk to owner. And then we'd come back from door knocking all day, go in our system, update it all. And because it took so long, we used to print out a stack and we would just recycle the stack around all the teams with our notes on it <laughs> for the whole week. And then we put it all in at the very end. I'm like, I'm starting to date myself pretty good right now. 
This is back in the 70s? This is back in, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the guy, because I remember when I first started real estate, the brokers were always like, yeah. oh, nowadays, you know, what we had to do to sell a house, we had to get this book out. We'd go to these meetings. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, you guys are old. Now I, my stories are those stories. <laughs> but where I got hooked on real estate was, A, I had bought and sold a piece of property when I was 17 years old. It was a piece of land that I bought, and I made like 4000 bucks. And that was a huge amount of money for me. And so the concept was always like, oh, you can produce income. And then as I was in the environment, I learned more about the actual long-term goal and passive and building wealth, not money. Because I took the job to get money with sales objections, sales training, learning how to sell. After a year, I had done one deal, had not made a whole lot of money, but I saw the vision. And which was building wealth, building passive income and paying us down the road and doing more than just racking a check to check. And that's really when I got hooked was seeing those people do it and also do it pretty easily because they were in the, the method of doing it in the mode. And, and that's what hooked me. Question for you. Starting out, you know, we all get into real estate, whatever industry you want to get into. And we have this, you know, our first goal, okay, I'm going to make 10 grand a month. Next goal is I'm going to save up 100 grand, whatever that is. When you were getting started door knocking, doing real estate deals, what was a number to you where you're like, I'm rich if I make X amount of dollars per month, do X amount of real estate deals. Can you recall back beginning what that number was for you when you were door knocking out there in the field? Completely. And it's funny as I had a conversation with a buddy of mine like six months ago, and he's not even a real estate sales guy, but he started selling elevators right at school. And then we were talking about, cause I did elevator internship too in college. And, uh, and he's like, do you remember when you got to school? The goal was like, for me, it was to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. If someone gave me an opportunity that goes, you will make a hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life. If you sign this contract, I would have probably signed it. But like I'm rich. I made $100,000 a year for the rest of my life. I'm golden. But then when I really started seeing what you could do in real estate, I was like, oh, $100,000 a year. That's an expectation, right? I mean, now I'm trying to make $100,000 a month passively. That's my goal. Like if I get that number, I'm not going to be at my office till midnight anymore. And so it was always to get to that number. And then I blew through that number in three months once I started taking it seriously. I actually, year two, I made $85,000 on one deal. And I was like, forget the hundred grand. And the key word there used is taking it seriously. Everyone, a lot of people watching this, we get into real estate and we do spend two hours, three hours cold calling. You guys heard his story. We have so many software and tools. You guys now can get on a dialer and make 300 dials an hour while you're eating Cheetos on the side. It's not hard to get people on the phone now. So when you talk about taking it seriously, for the people that are watching this and are just getting mm-hmm. into real estate, what does taking it seriously mean? So James, like when you get, when you're hiring a sales guy now, when you're teaching, you say, I need you to take this business seriously. Is that two hours of cold calling a day? Am I door knocking five houses? What is taking it seriously mean? You know what, what it always comes down to me is initiative. We all have systems that we know work, right? We have a heat and data real estate. We have 10 acquisition and in dispo guys, uh, off market guys, and they all do their job, right? They've done through the training. They've gotten past the corner. Cause you gotta, you gotta get past that corner right? Like it's like you're grinding out. And once you get around that corner, you're going, okay, now I know how to do this. But for me, what I had to do, and it was about taking initiative. I went to work for an investment company where there was no sales trainer. There was no sales book. There was nothing out there. And it was, we're giving you an opportunity, figure it out. And for me, I struck out for six months straight because I didn't take the initiative. I thought I was doing the hard work. I was just doing the process though. I was going and banging on the door, talking to people, getting yelled at and getting kicked off their porch. And then for me, I had to take initiative and go writing down every objection, every nasty thing that was said to me. How do I get them to turn around at that point? And then I had to really educate myself on what real estate actually is. The biggest mistake I see with salespeople is they go for the sale rather than what are they doing? This is a career for me at that point. 
the more information I know about my career, the more I can execute, I can build systems, I can create good game plans that will turn into revenue. And so I spent hours reading on foreclosures, low modifications, what a HUD was, reading HUDs to figure out so I could explain it to people, what a loan doc was. Any kind of objection I would have, I would go back after I get done knocking doors and I would read for an hour or two. And it wasn't self-help books. I wasn't gonna self-help my way into doing more deals. I had to get educated on what I was doing. And so taking that initiative changed everything. And I went from doing like one deal a month, maybe, we were averaging seven to eight a month. And it was in a short amount of time and it was like the lights got turned on once I educated myself. That's what I see a lot. Like I think so many of us with social media, you see this guy in a Ferrari, this guy in a private jet, this guy in a Bentley, they're 10, 20 years in the career. A lot of people that we coach too, they get into real estate, they think being a real estate investor, wholesaler, flipper, developer means for the first two years that you're working two days and the weekends you're skiing, you're taking weeks off here and there. And they don't realize the level. Most people that you see have sacrificed a skill that most can't comprehend. So thanks for sharing that. Before we move on, I want to touch base on it's my belief that every entrepreneur has some sort of gut punch early on in their career that really makes them ask themselves, do I really want this? Do I really want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to figure this thing out? Or am I going to go get a job and kind of Am I a half-ass entrepreneur or am I going to figure this thing out? What was that gut punch for you? Were you getting into your career three, four, five years in? You felt like you had some momentum, had some traction, you had a feel for it mm-hmm. that stopped you in your tracks? Personally, professionally, or both, whatever you want to share, that was like, okay, do I really want to do this? And what does that look like? Oh, yeah. I've had numerous times where that's came up. And you know, and sometimes too, like we have multiple different real estate businesses. We make the call to shut it down. Yeah. But the one that sticks out the most, well, there's two. One is the first door I ever knocked on. I got screamed at. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but I stuck in there. But the biggest thing was it was 2008. We had became very good at wholesaling. We were doing like 30 deals a month at that point, 20, 30 deals a month. We were on fire. And I actually thought I was invincible. We were like the number one deal guys in the state. 2008 had, and we got flatlined. I lost over a million dollars in net worth and cash in like a five month period. And then that was that gut check. And then trying to rebound was even harder. We had just, we were trying to like not drown and nothing was going on in real estate. It was flatline. There was nobody at the auctions. No one was buying things. I could have a house for a dollar and try to sell it to you. And people would be like, get that away from me. No one wanted real estate, had leprosy. And I started looking at other jobs, but I had just invested all my cash in this business, started it with my partner. We had eight sales guys. And I was like, I'm gonna, I just gotta hang in there. And we went straight door to door. Like when we would get a deal, I would go knock on every neighbor's door to try to sell it, to get them to buy a rental property. And we just had to grind it out. And it was about getting educated, hanging in there. But the biggest thing that happened is the playing field got cleared out and we could run the field and get after things and just hang in there and really know, you know, reading about more real estate, knowing that there's cycles, right? The cycles are when the, the, the market is cleaned out. That's where you can execute. And so you got to hang in there through the cycles and then you have to pivot how you're doing things. We started doing things completely different in 2008 and nine than we were doing from 2005 to 2008. And if we didn't make that pivot, we would have sunk with everybody else. And so it was about adapting your real estate experience, getting involved and making the right adjustments and then just hanging in there, grinding out, knowing that there's another, like we weren't going to make money for 12 months, but there was a light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to go into all of those pivots and tactical things he did in part two, but if there's one piece of advice, one thing you can go back to what, 25 and that happened, 26? Yes, 26. And you can whisper in 25-year-old Jimmy's ear and give him one piece of advice when he was going through that or at that period of his, of his life. What would that one piece of advice be? First thing is look at outside factors besides real estate. Educate, if you are in real estate investing, 
that means you're in investments. Investments are global. Like everything that happens in every market affects what we're doing today. And if I would have been looking at that more, I could have prepped myself a lot more and at least started with something rather than nothing. And so educate yourself and don't just get narrowed of you do real estate. You're doing investing. Investing is a broad platform. You got to be familiar with what's going on with banks, rates, terms, what government's doing. That will tell you how to buy and pivot your business. Perfect. And before we wrap up and move into the fun part, part two, James, what is your definition of success? What is, if you had to write that, that line on paper, and what is, what's James's definition of success? Not just in your industry, but business-wise. If you had to tell you know, 25, 26-year-olds, like you're telling me right now, what your definition of success would be, and you had to tell your team what your definition of success would be, what would be that slogan? Not slogan, but that was one line. Yeah. It could be two sentences. I'm a drawn out person. What's your, what's your definition of success? I think it's just freedom. It's one word. The freedom to do whatever you want, when you want, when you want, that gets you everything, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, whether you want to hang out with your kids more, hang out with your family more, you want to be more successful. Today, I have the choice to do what I want. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is I still like to work too much. And so I still (laughs) work my butt off, but it's the fact that I'm able to do that, bring in people when I want to work less, grind harder when I want to work more. Mm -hmm. That is my definition. Now that changes as you grow. My definition at 25 would have been a lot different. At 30 would have been a lot different. At 35 would have been a lot different. Now I'm almost 45. But you know, I would say that that is my biggest thing right now. Love it. Last one more question I'm going to add on top of that. I always do like to ask this question. The bonus question. What does retirement mean to you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as what we call an off-market operator in real estate, you built a real estate company. Is there going to be a day when you say in your head right now, sitting here almost 40 and what's the, what's your, <laughs> I'll turn it 40 soon. Trust what's me. your uh, definite, like what's your picture of retirement? Are you still working? You're still going in an office? Give me an example. Like my, my father-in-law, he was a business guy for a long time and he still wakes up every day, goes in the office till two or three p.m. And he seems like he's 40 years old, 35 years old. I don't think I'm a person that will ever retire. I like to work. Uh, I work differently. You know, for me, as successes came through and we're getting to this, you know, around the corner or something, I'd rather work more with giving back rather than chilling. It's not going to be defined by going into an office. It's about having impact on people. And if you can impact the most amount of people, that is successful retirement for me. Man, such good advice. You guys can see why I go to James for so many different questions, why he's an incredible mentor, business partner, friend. He's been life-changing in my growth as an entrepreneur, business owner, and real estate investor. So thanks for listening to part one, you guys, with James. Part two is live right now as you're hearing me talk. So go check that out. Go head over to part two and learn exactly how he's doing so many deals and what he does with those. And also let me know what you think of this two-part format. We're trying to keep these tight, no fluff, so you can keep turning off the noise and keep grinding and doing what makes you money. So until next time, you guys, remember, you're only one deal away. Thank you.